Doug Duda is the sports director and program director of ESPN Tri-Cities. You can also hear him on The Vibe. But more important to this conversation is that he is the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year for 2022, as determined by his peers in the National Sports Media Association. Doug, congratulations, and thanks for your time. Hey, no problem, and thank you very much. Appreciate it. So when you get a phone call, maybe it was from a, a phone in North Carolina or something, and they say, hey, by the way, you're the man this year. What was your reaction? Well, kind of funny story because, yeah, you get that on your cell phone and you go, what? But I was in the middle of uh, doing a press conference. We were just hiring our new football coach at UNK, so we were doing our Doug and Daddy show live on site, so I couldn't have answered the call anyway. And then uh, Dave left a message, and that kind of when he said where he was from, you kind of got, well, I don't think they're going to call you and give you bad news. So it was pretty uh, pretty exciting to call him and, and then know for sure that uh, that's why he was calling. And it is championship point number two. Ali Smith to serve. But they need two in a row to the Chanticleers at 14-12. Served by Smith. Across it goes to Teal. Anna Squires to Maddie Squires. And a state championship for the fourth year in a row belongs to the Kearney Catholic Stars. As the Squire sisters end it on the final point. Anna to Maddie to win it 15-12 here at the Devaney Center. I didn't know how long it had been. Uh, some of the guys that had been researching the story said it had been since 1996. There was a 19 in front of it. A 19 in front of it, John. That's how long ago it was. It's a wrong uh, century, man. That someone outside of Metro Omaha and Lincoln had won the award. So, yeah, I, I knew it was special, and that made it even more special to represent all the small market folks like myself that have been out here and, and doing same work. Some of, sometimes you think it's more because you might have to do more than sports in some of the smaller markets is everybody that's in a big market had to start there and they know about it too. But yeah, very honored makes it even more special. So what does it mean then? What does it say about what you do and the, and the kind of work you do? Well, everybody that gets these awards uh, says it means I've been around a while. No rookie wins these awards, right? And so uh, just making a lot of relationships over the years, getting to know Almost everybody that I was a semifinalist with, knowing all the peers, uh, it was cool to have some of them say, hey, I voted for you, I voted for you, uh, and and go on through that. And all the people that you've met uh, and worked with, and uh, the, the feedback has been great, and which I very much appreciate. It's cool to catch up with some folks that maybe you haven't worked with, coaches that I've dealt with 20, 25 years ago, uh, reaching back out. But all the people that you've crossed paths with, a reason for us to touch base again, even more so through social media than we probably could have done 10, 12 years ago. And it really is not a, it's not a fan thing, although I'm sure you have a lot of fans who love your work. It's about the people who do this kind of work who are representing you or, or, or voting for you, selecting you. When you are honored amongst your peers, I think that's probably about as high of an honor as you can get, uh, knowing and getting their respect that you're doing a good job as you give them the respect on the job that they're doing as well. So uh, hearing from so many of my peers as well, some that we work with on a weekly, monthly basis, see at state tournaments, see at Husker games, see at UNK or Hastings games or wherever we're working. Uh, great to hear from them again and, and know that they appreciate and think that what we do here is special.
what is it what is a an average week like for you oh you're gonna bore everybody here johnny but uh not at all no no we come in we come in and and i do do a little news bit as well in the morning so on a typical day 6 a.m is arrival time do all the morning sports casts do the prep work uh do a little bit of news hits uh we do have a, a 98.9 the vibe has a morning show, uh, Murphy in the morning with Tim. I do a couple of hits on that every morning with them. And then uh, depending on what time of year it is for most of the year, that's high school sports related. There are going to be upwards of four nights a week of sports. Yes. Football is mostly Friday night, but we do volleyball that will incorporate Tuesday and Thursday. You get into the winter, uh, basketball and even wrestling. We'll do four nights, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm usually involved in most of uh, all of that. And then we get into the spring, we'll do some baseball. Uh, we'll cover district and state and conference track meets. Uh, Saturday afternoon is a fine example. I've got a conference wrestling meet that we do live play-by-play for in the finals. So uh, got home from St. Paul the other night in a basketball game where the boys game went overtime, rolled back into Kearney about 10.50 and back at the station at six in the morning and then the snow flew. So that's kind of a typical week when it's busy. This is a quarter century. You've been doing this for 25 years or right after the last, you started right after the last winner outstate yeah. uh, of this award. So how do you keep that pace? Oh, I always joke that you got to have a lot of medication and a lot of free time on your hands. It's uh, family-wise, no kids, don't have to go home and worry about things like that. I think that's big uh, because that would be hard to do. And I see a lot of the folks that I've been around Maybe it's a crazy stat. I don't know how many of them are single. Maybe they're single because they love the radio gig or the TV gig so much, but not all of them. I mean, I'm not saying that, but I think that's a big, that's one of the reasons I'm able to devote so much time to the job is because I don't have to worry about quite as many things at home as somebody that uh, has kids and, and all that has to do. So that's one thing I tell folks, how do you keep the pace? It's something different every day. We cover at least 40 different high schools and then the colleges at, at Nebraska and UNK and Hastings College. So it's usually pretty fresh. Uh, majority is Carney and Carney Catholic, but that's not even half of what we do out there. So it's you get to see new people and new faces and rotate through every year. And it's it's pretty fresh. It's it's the number one reality show out there. How do you keep it fresh? I mean, you get to another season, it's okay. Here's Friday night football and volleyball and oh, it's another year. And I've been doing this for 10 years now. And oh, I've been doing this for 25. How do you keep it fresh for you and make it fun and exciting uh, for you? Riley Jensen to win the game. It's up, it's no good. The rebound is brought down by Kirsten Garner. She'll push the ball up the floor, crossover dribble. She will get a tough three up, overtime! We're going to overtime to start the season. Kirsten Garner with a crossover step back three. You always need to learn from those that were before you, or as we were talking about earlier, peers. And we were fortunate enough a few times to have the great voice of the Kansas City Royals, Denny Matthews, with us on the Duncan Daddy Show. And I asked him one time, when the Royals in the 90s and early 2000s, before Alex Gordon ever made an appearance with Kansas City, and the Royals were bad, and they were, you know, to be honest, they were out of it by June, but I made it nice, and I said, Denny, how do you keep going in August when there's nothing to play for, and you know they're not going to make the playoffs, and you still have two more months against the grind, and the odds are the Royals aren't going to win that night, 
And he told me, he goes, you never know what's going to happen when you show up to the ballpark. He goes, it's something different every day. And that's what I feel about high school sports. You may think you know what's going to happen. If that was the case, number one would never get upset. The favorite would always win the Super Bowl. The Yankees would always win the World Series. I mean, there's something new every time when it comes to high school sports. When you're talking local things, um, you never know what the outcome of a game is going to be. And on our local ESPN radio show, you get to talk to so many different people from local high school coaches and athletes to Olympians and national champions. And, and that's what makes a, a great variety when you're able to do that. We're very fortunate to be able to do that. I tell you how old I am. I've been a Kansas city Royals fan since, um, Oh, about the time they were founded in the, in <laughs> 1969. So I know that uh, the Royals win the championship every 30 years uh, yeah. or so. So, so there you go. Doug Duda is the Nebraska sportscaster of the year program director and sports director of ESPN Tri-Cities and on The Vibe. Uh, Doug, how do you keep track of 40 high schools? Um, how do you keep track of that and still have time to do the colleges and still have time to do a, a, a daily radio show? I don't know. Maybe we work more than 40 hours a week. I'm uh, guessing you, know, you do. <laughs> something, something like that. Um, how do you keep track? You just, you just do. Uh, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for you on that one, John. It's just you follow everybody and try to keep them going and, and touch base to get schedules at the beginning of the year. Try to work on, even if you're not covering their game, give them some uh, publicity. Hey, tonight's this game. Here's what's going on in the Tri-Cities. Catch up with them, do an interview, even if you're not doing their games. Have them on the Doug and Daddy show and things like that. And uh, I, I think that's how you kind of keep track of of all those schools. And to be honest, over these years, we're talking 25 years. Heck, I started an ord in K at LV back in the late 80s. So back then, you had to pick up the phone and get a hold of somebody. There was no other way. Think about this, youngsters. No email, no texting, no Facebook, no social media. You mm -hmm. had to pick up the phone. It's a lot easier, obviously, John, where you can just shoot somebody an email and they get back to you now. So are you a Nebraska native? Are you a, a yep. from the area? Born in Ord, graduated from Ord. That's where I got my first uh, radio gig after I went to UNL for a little while. Sports director and manager uh, left Ord. They hired me for some reason, and here we go. And that was uh, a few years ago. So, I started. I started part time. I suppose uh, in '86. I think I came back the freshman year of college. I uh, got to do a summer uh, work uh, as the evening which would have been like five to ten shift on the local radio station we called it night rock <laughs> even in the middle of country music <laughs> land we called it night rock but hey i played then you had gigs uh once you got full-time saturday and sunday mornings you had the weekend every other week because there's only two of us that were on the air at the time and uh hey did everything from party line to polka music to reading the news to the funeral announcements to uh, obviously then the sports and playing the music meyer to serve can they get the lead now picked up by brandel the burt whistle right side christensen she's blocked up front one arm save free ball above the net and it is passed back out of bounds point blue hill casey allen match point number one for blue hill 
15-14, Meyer to serve to send Blue Hill to the championship. Across it comes. Here's Burt Whistle with the set. Prandtl in the back row attack. She drives it across. The dig is made by Mankey. Boniface sets middle. Comacher drives it across. It's dug out. They'll set right side, and Christensen taps it over. One arm up. Has to be hit by Comacher. She'll drive it across, and Blue Hill's headed to the state championship. Riley Comacher redirects it. And the last five points of the match belong to Blue Hill. 16-14 in the fifth. An unexpected turn of events there on the 30th point of the fifth set. I'm going to be careful about asking this question, but I brought up Omaha and I brought up Lincoln and you know Denver's not that far away and Kansas City's not that far away. Are these places that you wanted to be at some point in your career? Yeah, in high school, Dallas and Miami, they were right there. I'm a Cowboys fan too, John, so don't shoot me for that. But <laughs> Dallas, Miami seemed like two cool places, maybe a little bit warmer weather, something away. And then I suppose like a lot of people do, uh, you, you can have a couple of paths, plenty of paths. Once you get done with high school, you know, you get to college and you go for your master's or, you know, you stay in college a long time and you immediately kind of go to a, a market like that. Or you, you kind of start on the ground level, which is what I did enjoyed it build up the work i guess resume that way i've had opportunities to go other places no doubt about it um but you kind of i don't know you you fall in love with where you're at maybe you become comfortable with where you're at um if you go to kansas city or denver you might do a talk show but you wouldn't be doing local high school sports you might get to do college sports and that would be cool as well uh but definitely your job would change uh are you going to do another 25 years of this uh, <laughs> I hope I don't have to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but uh, hey, I, I've got a couple of buddies. The man that got me going, Walt Smith, did it into his mid-70s at least, so uh, there's there's no shame in doing that, and again, uh, you're doing kids as kids as kids, so one of the things that we talk about, and, and in, in my broadcasting career, I always looked at it like, all right, high school kids you treat one way on the air, college kids are a little bit more open. Professional athletes are fair game at almost anything. How do you approach high school students on the air and and what you can be in terms of critical and 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 tough if you have to be? How do you look at that? Great question, because this is something I bring up all the time. When this question gets asked to me or I'm asked to speak to a college class, one of the things I always bring up is what my mentor, Walt Smith, told me right away. He said, all right, these are high school kids when we're doing the ball game. We are not here to criticize or make fun of or joke about their performances. Then you get a little bit older and you're going to college. You know, you go to college to play. You want to go to college to play. At high school, you're going out maybe just because it's the thing to do in your small town. Doesn't matter if it's class A or class D2. Might be the thing to do in professional. You're getting paid. All right. College now, you're kind of getting paid too. But at the high school level, it's okay to say, hey, you know, Bob Smith is one of seven at the free throw line tonight because that's the fact. That doesn't mean he's not going to be six for six the next game, uh, but that's the fact of the night. And you try to give the facts without saying, oh, what a stupid play by number 36. I mean, you just don't do that. You might say, hey, you know, free safety Bob Smith made a mistake there. You know, it hit him right in the hands and he dropped it, but he'll bounce back next play and, and here we go. And, and, and play it up a little bit. Uh, there are a lot of blowouts out there. And I've been asked, man, how do you handle when it's a blowout? And this team can't get it across half court. Always somebody does something good 
find the little bit of good that you can do. Talk about a kid that came off the bench. Uh, if it's a blowout, you're going to see kids all the way down to number 12, 13, 14 off the basketball bench. Uh, ask the coach about them as well. I mean, coaches don't want to get beat by 40. It happens. Uh, try to find a couple things that are positive in that game. When you're preparing for the games, are the coaches pretty good? Do you call them and check on them before you do a broadcast? Most of the time, yeah. Uh, we do so many basketball games that I don't do a pre-recorded uh, interview unless maybe we're down at the state tournament, something like that. Football is different. Football is obviously longer pregame. Get a hold of the coaches uh, for about a six to eight minute pregame interview for both of them. And then while you, when you do that, then you can say, hey, any kids that are hurt, any kids that are out and why are they out? Well, maybe the kid's suspended. Well, you don't have to say that during the broadcast. You just say the kid's out. Maybe the kid got hurt by uh, an ankle sprain, maybe a concussion, maybe his sick, maybe his sister's got a wedding. You have no idea why the kid was out. So you talk to him ahead of time, get pronunciations of the players that are playing so that mom, grandma, the family, the community uh, respects you for getting some of those Polish German check names. Correct. Uh, <laughs> even though, I mean, think about it, John K O C H. How many, how many days ways can you pronounce K O C H cook co there's a million of them out there. So that way you get a chance to get a hold of those coaches and, and it's not stuff that goes on the air, but that you can use uh, during the course of your broadcast. How many games a year do you broadcast? My pat answer is 150 events. We, we go through, uh, I've been asked that too a lot. And by basketball books, there's like 30 in it. There's 30 games in a book. I usually get almost through three of them. So that gets you to 90. Then you figure in how many football, how many volleyball. Uh, if you want to do a volleyball try, if you want to count it as three games or you want to count it as one night, fine. You want to count a district track meet. That's one day. That's one event. So just depends on how you count it. But it's between 150 and 200. Baseball now, all that kind of stuff. I will tell you, you're my hero. If you can get through an entire track meet and keep track of it and broadcast it live, how in the world do you do that? Well, most like, like things like that in state cross country for the most part is you just do reports. Uh, you'll do some, you know, recorded live stuff or drop-ins live, depending on how you want to do that. But yeah, uh, for a, for a conference or a district track meet, give a report twice an hour and, and kind of move through. That's usually about a six hour day as far as when it starts to when it ends. Well, yeah, and they don't have the track meet in your hometown. Usually, they you drive to Omaha and do that, right? Yeah. Spend two or three conference. days. That could be anywhere. Yeah, go to a district, go to state, sit on the comfortable bleachers. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask you to do some math here for me. Then, if you do 150 to 200 events a year, how many live broadcasts do you think you've done then total in your career? Man, that's a good one. We had a celebration for a couple of different people I knew in the media when you kind of thought they were to 5,000. Uh, I would think we've hit that. So let's take uh, 1987, 13, and 22. What's that, 35 years? Take that times 150. That gets you over 5,000, I think. That Maybe 6,000. 5,200 to 5,300 range, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do that, you have that'd be my guess. Do you have one or two moments that stand out particularly? Oh, games, events, there's so many of them. So many of them, John. That's the cool thing. When I was in Ord, 
I got to see uh, one that always sticks out to me. It's an eight-man football game. Rivalries, North Loop Scotia played Greeley. And North Loop Scotia had won the state championship the year before. And they were undefeated. Going to Greeley had one of those fields where you played football in the outfield of the baseball diamond of the baseball field. So you had a temporary press box that they that they pulled over there. And uh, Greeley scored on the last play of the game, a touchdown pass, I think about nine, 10 yards. They didn't get out of bounds on the play before. And it was fourth and one. And that, it doesn't matter that it was fourth, but it was fourth and one. They're out of timeouts. The clock, the crowd's going crazy. They're rivals. They throw a little fade into the back corner of the end zone. The quarterback uh, who was a senior, he, he had told me, he goes, it was something me and my buddy had practiced, not at, not at actual practice, but it was something we talked about since like we were in sixth grade. If we were ever in the last play of the game, just do this. And that's what they did. And they caught it and place goes crazy. And the PA guy kicks our phone cord out and we go off the air until we can get it plugged back in. But we had already captured the moment, but you know, like five seconds after the moment it gets kicked out and you know, some <laughs> of that small town stuff. I like to tell the story of, uh, you know, back when we first moved from, you used to actually have to get a phone line right everywhere yeah. you went football, basketball, didn't matter. You had to actually, it's like at home for folks that don't know, you had to get a hard line put in. Then we went to bag phones, cell phones, look that up, bag phones. Well, we had a frozen field, it's football playoffs. And a buddy of mine took his old RV and pulled it right up to the field. So their small press box, we normally were outside. Uh, so he said, hey, I'll pull this up. You set the front, we'll turn the heat on, fine. Well, not even thinking we're not getting very good reception in the pregame. So we go to break. I'm going to run out, move the antenna on top, forgetting that you shouldn't grab the iron ladder or the, the plastic. The, yeah, it was very close. I didn't even throw my gloves on. Just go up, move it. Almost had a Christmas story experience right there. And then you come back to the time in Kearney. I mean, getting to cover all the state championships that Kearney track had. You'll probably enjoy this from play by play for track. You don't really do it. But their string for the Carney boys was, I don't know, 10 in a row, 11 years in a row. But it was coming down to the final event, the 1600 relay. It's Saturday night. It's radio. Who cares except for the people that care, right? So I said, all right, we're going to broadcast this four-minute race live. So I'm all set to go. We go, and I say, and they're off. And I go, oh, wait a minute. This is the slow heat. Cause they run two heats. So Carney wasn't even in the heat. It was them <laughs> in Fremont. So we ad libbed and ran, I said, you know, and what do you do? You say on the air, you messed up and, and you go through that. So, you know, it's not all perfect, but you know, I remember that and Carney beat Fremont in the 1600 relay and they won their 10th or 11th consecutive state meet. And, and so the end product was really cool. And there's so many, so many great memories, any of the state championships, double, triple overtimes, uh, a lot of cool stuff. So Beating done... the number one team in baseball. Carney, you know, Carney, the first year, John, that they had high school baseball has just been four or five years ago. And the first year they were in the number one seed. They were they were the eight or the nine or however that worked out. And they had to they beat the number one seed at Millard to get into the state tournament. And uh, you know, some of those guys went on and played baseball for for the Huskers. Max Anderson was on that baseball team that they beat. And of course, they got the wild card and Carney the first year that they had a high school program made it to the state tournament by upsetting the number one team uh, on their home field as it started to rain. And we were broadcasting outside. Do all these high school. You also do college. Play by play. Uh, we have been asked numerous times if we were interested in doing UNK. Uh, no, haven't done play by play of the colleges. 
my cohort, Mike Will, uh, we have the Hastings stations. He does Hastings College. Uh, would love to jump in and do some Husker stuff. I'm, I actually did a hockey game here. We have a USHL uh, team in the Tri-City Storm. Anybody in Nebraska with hockey knows about that. Uh, filled in and did a game there one time. But as far as uh, actually sat down to do a play-by-play, we have never had the contract rights. And we've kind of not really pursued them because of all of our high school coverage and, and other things that go along with it. Finances sometimes get in the way too, Johnny. Yeah, you know, that money thing. The Pulaski pops the head out, got a reversal, almost turned Ibaugh. And see, Ibaugh was smart there, right to his belly. Takedown is still going to decide this thing. Pulaski gets the reversal, 5-4 now. Ibaugh needs to get out. 45 seconds to go, he comes to his feet. Yeah, you've got it. You've got a calling for stalling here. Ibaugh with the reversal, out of bounds, 6-5. How do you decide which games you're going to broadcast? Um, you have, I think you mentioned something like 40 or 50 high schools that you cover. How do you decide which ones you're going to do on a, uh, on a weekly or monthly basis? Well, that's a trade secret. You know that. We, uh, oh yeah. Number one, number one is find the best matchup. And probably we start with Carney and Carney Catholic. And, and if they've got a good matchup that week, that's what we do. We basically do all the Carney Catholic football games, select Carney high games. We do have two radio stations here in town. So uh, they're getting covered all the time, one way or another, it seems like. And, and then if that's not the case, then you try to find the best local game. Um, and sometimes when you got a choice between two or three of them, let's say there's no top 10 matchup that week, who haven't we done or who aren't we going to do, or who's somebody that we can pick up. And then sometimes probably the very last decision is you kind of go to your sales team and go, all right, I got, Two or three, we could do any of them. They're all going to be the same kind of matchups. Either they're both five and zero, oh, or they're both zero oh and five. W- which one do you prefer? Where where can we financially do the best? And that's kind of the last one I go to. So, speaking of sales, uh, do you or have you in your career done sales as well? Not in radio. Now, I will say this, John: when we were growing up, and and we still still to this day, I could sell the the if you had to sell the cheese in a barrel at cub scouts great at it i mean if i if we would have been selling cookies like as girl scouts would have been great at it did that growing up and all the things that we had to do but i never even though there's that's where the pretty good money is is in sales obviously no i didn't want to cross over i've got people in the state of nebraska that they do sports and they sell the sports and that's what they do uh some are on the air and do the sports. And that's what they do. Some don't even work at the radio station, but they do sports. Now I I leave that up to everybody else. I say, I'm not going to, I'm going to help you. If I got somebody that wants to be a client, I'm going to give you all that information, but I have stayed out of that department. Now, do you have partners for all these games or do you do many of them by yourself? Most by myself, most by myself, a majority, 90% of them by myself. Uh, football used to, and uh, sometimes I will. And again, it just, they don't want to pay a lot of money, uh, but they'll pay a little bit. And sometimes, you, and most of the people, they don't even care. They don't want to do it. They do it for the love of the game. So I've got a few that will, when they can, pop into the booth and help out, but it's not every week. Football has the most because, you know, it's pretty much always Friday night. So they know that that's when they're available and they'll come in. And over the years, I've had, uh, folks that have done it with me for two or three years at a time, four or five years at a time. Uh, sometimes you get to the playoffs and 
a coach is done, he'll come do play-by-play like you see NCAA tournament time. Oh, the coach is done. You know, what's Nick Saban doing at the championship game? Well, he's not playing in it, but he's going to come be an analyst. So, and you go down to the state tournament, sometimes you'll help somebody. They'll help you just to, Mm -hmm. just to have that second person. So. What's the secret of doing football by yourself? Because of all the sports that you probably could use another a pair of eyes and another uh, voice to help you survive it. What's the secret of doing it solo? Yeah, no, no matter how good your binoculars are, sometimes the uniform should be outlawed. You can't see the right amount of uniform where there's a scrum and a fumble and you're not exactly sure who came out of there with it. Um, it's okay to have friends in the press box. Pretty much anywhere you go now, you're in the press box. So you may not have a spotter, but somebody in the press box is the PA guy, the clock runner. You got three or four guys out there. It's okay to just take a turn and look. Maybe they missed it and I know who it is. Maybe I missed it and they know who it is. And you just, hey, you take the headset, you take that and you listen and they know that you need some information or you write a note uh, that you're not talking over the air and, and make sure that you get it at least as correct as you can. And never leave home without your binoculars. Got to have them. That's why we wear these to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. The, you talked about um, doing telephones and, you know, we actually plugged in the telephone years ago. The very first professional broadcast I ever did was in Wilbur, Nebraska, when I was in college in 1976. And they forgot to get a phone line for us, but they gave us a phone line, but they didn't save a spot in the press box for us. And then, of course, it started raining. So about a half a quarter into my professional broadcasting career, I'm not only sitting there holding the phone to my ear, but I'm trying to look at notes that are being run over by the rain. And then, of course, even if you knew who they were, the mud uh, completely eliminated the numbers out there. It probably was the worst broadcast in the history of American sports broadcasting. I don't have a copy of it to prove it, but I'm sure it is. Those days were ridiculous. Okay. Now so much of it is high technology and you can run the radio station and the game and run all the spots yourself as you're sitting there watching the game, right? We do. I do. And a part of that, unfortunately it wasn't that way for years and i'm not saying it was covid but we all know that there are less people working right now or needing jobs or looking for jobs and that has happened here as well usually i mean heck when we were we wanted to get into radio the first thing you did is you became uh, an intern or a part-timer in high school and that's what you did you ran and i did that i ran the board for for games and then you could talk back and i wish we still had that because it's always nice Uh, to have that voice on the other end. And if there happens to be something that's a little off or that they need to tell you, you don't have to worry so much about it. But yeah, I run the games uh, from the remote site now, computer, program, uh, and and, yeah, you click the button and you try to get everything you do done in the 30 or minute timeout that you have, and then you bring it back and onward you go. First and 10 Bearcats at the Burke 23. Wide to the left is Caden Miller. Twins each side this time. Dutenhofer stays in there. They want to throw. It's a hitch and go. Miller's wide open in the end zone. He's got it. Touchdown, Bearcats. What are this job's uh, greatest challenges? Well, time. You touched on one of them. Trying to get it all done without burying yourself in an 80-hour work week, which during state tournaments... Uh, can happen, uh, which is fine. That, that's the job we chose. It's just one of those things. That's a challenge, though. Um, 
lining up guests for our for our daily sports talk show. Not that it's a challenge, but sometimes you got to keep it fresh. We're here in January, middle of basketball. Football's done on the college scene. We're just into the NFL playoffs. We're not doing a whole lot of uh, NFL guests uh, here at, at our site. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're trying to find enough people so that it's not every Wednesday at this time. It's the same person 52 weeks a year. It might be during the football season or the hockey season or the basketball season. Uh, but, but trying to keep your show fresh so that it's something different every day you might talk hockey you might talk soccer you might talk nfl you might talk husker basketball uh, but find somebody that also has a little bit more day-to-day coverage of all those things and, and get their get their take so time lining up the show those are a couple challenges Doug Duda, Randy Bushcutter here on the Doug and Daddy Show. Pleased to be joined by one of the newest members of the 2015 College Football Hall of Fame, the current athletic director at UNO, and Trev Alberts joins us on the Doug and Daddy Show. Trev, congratulations, and thanks for the time here in Kearney. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your kind words, and it's a pleasure to join you guys. Tyler Hildebrand, the associate head coach for the Nebraska volleyball team, with us here on the Doug and Daddy Show on ESPN Radio. Lauren Stevens decided to come back. She's trying to get through the injury. What is she able to do for you right now? Everything that we've heard, she's progressing really well. Um, all the medical staff, our trainer, our strength coach, everyone's really happy. Lauren's really happy with where she's at. We'll see what kind of an arsenal Anderson has if it's straight heat. So Corbin Foster, he's put the bat on the ball all day. Swung on to second. It's off his glove and in right field. Base hit. The infield was in. They're going to try and score them both. The throw to the plate, and Carney's up 4-2. The throw to second. Sliding in there safely is Corbin Foster. So what are the great joys then? of this job oh man watching people win watching people succeed it's not even winning yes calling a state championship game watching a playoff game seeing uh, any of your college teams win a national championship or maybe make the playoffs for the first time in however many years just to see the joy and and folks succeeding it always it still makes me smile still makes my heart grow like the Grinch three times bigger uh, than it should be uh and and getting the chance then to meet all the people go out to all the communities uh relationships make some friendships that you never would would make you know you stay in one town I mean how many people in Omaha know anybody in Louisville how many, you know or, or just pick any town that's within mm-hmm. 30 miles about Omaha how many people know anybody in any of those towns I've got an opportunity to do that throughout at least our 60 mile radius. And then even more than that with our friends in Omaha and Lincoln and, and peers that work in Norfolk and Columbus and all across the, all across the state. So you are the Nebraska uh, broadcaster of the year, sportscaster of the year in 2022. How do you carry that with you? Uh, with great pride and for all the people that have helped us along the way. Uh, I've already, like I've told a couple people, you know, we've had, it's been a little over a week now and every high school contest I've went to, 
they have had so many people come up and congratulate me, which is great. Uh, but you know, it's wouldn't have been possible without all the people that let you into their gyms, into their locker rooms to talk to the coaches, uh, disrupting their day, doing those interviews. Uh, it's going to be a very, and, and for all the, like I said earlier, for all the folks that uh, aren't in the major markets that are doing the same thing that I'm doing, uh, it'll be a proud moment to walk across that stage. I know it's just a, a plaque, but uh, it will be uh, displayed with pride. Well, congratulations um, and uh, all the best. And I hope we can talk again soon. Um, it's really cool. Good job. Well, I, I appreciate you reaching out, John. And uh, anytime, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Doug Duda is the sports director and program director of uh, ESPN Tri-Cities, does games on The Vibe, and he's so busy he's got other things to do, so we'll wrap it up. He's been with us on Watch the Media.